Survivor. My name is Ashley Hollick. I am a certified coach and owner of Phoenix Rise Coaching, and welcome to the Thriving After Abuse podcast. Inspiration, tools, and modalities for survivors. My very long story short is that in November of 2020, I healed 12 years of chronic debilitating back pain, and it was with mindset work. My physical pain was actually emotional trauma of an abusive relationship in my teens. My mission now is to spread awareness that this is even possible, because I didn't believe it, to inspire survivors of abuse that healing is 100% attainable and to share tools, techniques, and modalities to begin and continue your healing journey. On this podcast, I will be sharing my own personal knowledge and experience as well as bringing you experts in the trauma healing field. Welcome home. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Thriving After Abuse podcast. My name is Ashley Hollick, and I am your host. And today, I'm very excited to introduce you to our guest. Her name is Riley Molinario, and she is an expert love educator and a relationship coach. Hi, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, of course. Let's go ahead and dive right in because this is going to be airing in February, you know, the month of love. And I know that people can be scared after a toxic relationship to get into a new one. So what would you say is the most important first step or steps that somebody needs when they are wanting a healthy relationship after a toxic one or multiple toxic ones? Yes. So I can speak from experience. I was in a toxic relationship myself. I was in a relationship with a man who was living a double life. So he had an entire girlfriend. She was pregnant and I had no idea. And so he ended up stealing money from me to pay for her lifestyle and all her prenatal care. So I was actually in an abusive relationship that I didn't know that I was in. For me, I would say that the most important thing when you are coming out of that situation, any kind of abusive situation, is to understand that it is never your fault, but it is your responsibility. And for me, I had to understand the difference. When you are in a situation where someone is taking advantage of you, they're not treating you with love and with respect, compassion and care, it is never your fault but it is your responsibility to get out and it is your responsibility to create a beautiful life for yourself, regardless of what you've gone through. I grew up in a very abusive household. My father abandoned me when I was an infant and my mother was very abusive and neglectful. And as a child, I used to always ask myself, why, why me? What did I do? You know, and I would look at my friends and say, but but they have moms and dads that tuck them in at night and and take them on trips and things like that. Like, what? Why? Why not me? And even as a child, I realized this is not my fault, but this is my responsibility. And so I think when we are victims, it's really hard not to have a victim mentality right? Because you you go through that process of why did this happen to me? What did I do wrong? You know, what did I do to deserve this? What did I do to instigate this? And so I had to really come to terms with the fact that these things happen 
And it doesn't mean it's a reflection of you. It doesn't mean that you're a bad person. It doesn't mean that you, you know, put yourself in a bad situation. And so getting comfortable with the fact that it is not your fault how someone else chooses to treat you. But again, taking that responsibility that it is your life at the end of the day. And the only person responsible for your life is you. So I would say getting comfortable with that idea and really understanding what that means. It's 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 not to burden you with the responsibility, but it's more to empower you. Because if it's your responsibility, it means that the control is in your hands and you get to now choose what happens after this very tragic event. You get to choose what life you want to create regardless of what happened in the past. That's something that I always tell people. And it's not to be harsh, but I always say the trauma is not your fault, but the healing is your responsibility because it happened. It's done. There's nothing. You can't take it away. It's punishing somebody, you know, or hating them after. It's not really going to change anything. And it is your responsibility to heal because nobody else can do it. One of my mom friends was sharing her birth story. And (laughs) at one point she screams like, I can't do this. And her husband looks at her and he goes, you are the only one who can do this. (laughs) You are the only one. And it's, it's true with your trauma. You are the only one. Me sharing these tools and these modalities and the techniques, that's not going to heal you. You have to do the work yourself. You have to do the healing work yourself. So thank you for sharing that. And I'm so sorry that, you know, you went through that growing up. That must've been really hard. And I'm just glad that you're here and you're thriving too. And you know, that just goes to show that healing is possible. It is possible when you put in the work. So thank you for sharing that with us. Okay. And so you talk about self-awareness and self-management. So what exactly is this? What does it mean? And how can a survivor begin to master these skills? So when we're talking about how we can control our lives and how we can create the thriving lives that we deserve, we really start to think about the way that we control our situation, which is controlled by our actions, and our actions are controlled by our thoughts. So when we are in any situation, we need to understand how we are feeling. Everything comes from feeling. And so the feelings that come up, being able to recognize those, that is self-awareness. So self-awareness is the ability to understand how you're feeling in any given moment. It's to say to yourself, I feel angry. I feel frustrated. I'm excited. I'm disappointed. I'm anxious. I'm sad. Really being able to put a very specific title on the feelings that you're having. This gives you a lot of insight into who you are, what you want, and then be able to take action. So if I'm feeling disappointed, or let's say I'm feeling angry, this is a simple one, I'm feeling angry. Okay, because I'm angry, there's many things I can do. I can smoke a cigarette, I can eat a piece of chocolate cake, I can go for a run, I can take a nap, I can journal, I can meditate, I can call a friend, right? Because I'm angry, there's so many options on how I can react to that anger. When I choose an action that's going to benefit me, that is what we call self-management. 
So self-awareness is being able to identify the emotion and self-management is being able to respond to that emotion in a way that's going to benefit you. So instead of having the cigarette or the slice of cake or, you know, the bottle of whiskey, I'm going to go for a run or I'm going to meditate or I'm going to call a friend. And so when we respond to our emotions in ways that benefit us, we take action towards the life that we want to live. So when we are in alignment with the life that we want to live, we live happier lives. Yeah. This reminds me a lot of emotional intelligence. That was one of the certifications I did this past year. And the first step is identifying the emotion, being able to identify what emotion you're feeling and then treating that emotion or honoring that emotion in a healthy way. So exactly what you're saying, you know, if you're angry, you don't go and destroy someone's property, right? Maybe you cry or you punch a pillow and honoring it in a a healthy way. And then moving out of that emotional state to a higher emotional state. So that sounds very, very familiar. And so when we're talking about someone who's experienced trauma, they're going through exactly the same thing that someone who hasn't experienced trauma goes through in the sense that they're feeling emotions. They just feel maybe more specific emotions related to the trauma that someone who hasn't experienced trauma is experiencing, but we're always experiencing emotion, whether it's a positive emotion, a negative emotion, a strong emotion, a more tranquil emotion. Emotions are constantly happening within us in every single moment. We can't be emotionless, right? Even even if you see someone and you say like, oh, they have this sort of straight face and they don't really you know, show too much emotion, they could be feeling content, which is an emotion, right? So we're constantly feeling emotions. When you are coming out of an abusive relationship or some kind of traumatic event, it can actually be an extremely beneficial moment in your life. It was for me. My trauma made me who I am because it gave me so many opportunities to practice self-awareness and self-management, which now makes me a master of my life because I'm a master of my actions, because I'm a master of my emotions. So when you feel any kind of emotion, whether that's, you know, disappointment that the relationship didn't turn out the way you wanted it to, maybe guilt because you're asking yourself, what did I do to get in this situation? Anger for the person who treated you unkindly. You're feeling all these really strong negative emotions, but you have the same exact power that someone who doesn't have trauma has in that you get to decide. It may be more difficult and it may take some more practice and it probably will take more willpower to make that decision, but you still have the same opportunity to decide how am I going to respond? So if I'm feeling disappointed, I'm feeling angry, I'm feeling rage, I'm feeling, you know, whatever it is, you can still say, okay, wow, I feel this. Now, how am I going to respond in a way that's going to benefit me? You have the same amount of power. So I I did this many times throughout my life when I was healing from my trauma, whether it was the trauma from my childhood or it was the binge eating disorder that I ended up having after college, after being in that abusive relationship. I mean, there were so many times in my life where I felt so much anger, disappointment. I suffered from anxiety and depression. And I always had this mentality of why is this happening to me? And there's nothing I can do about it. And the world is crumbling, you know, around me and people are treating me badly. Yes, this is true. This is what was happening. People were treating me unkindly, right? But 
I, I realized that I can't control what other people do, but I have 100% control on how I respond to what people do, right? And so that allowed me to go from victim to empowered. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. And it's so true. And it's shifting from life happens to me to life happens for me. And, you know, it takes a lot of healing and a lot of work to get there. And a lot of what you were describing, it just kind of reminds me of how I feel that people after they've experienced trauma, they kind of get in these self-sabotaging routines. Can you speak a little bit about that? Oh, that is, that was my whole, (laughs) that was my whole like teenage twenties. I was very bad. I was very bad because growing up, I was always extremely gifted, even academically. They recognized me as a gifted child. I was excelling in school really quickly. I was a very bright and creative child, but that wasn't really harnessed with love and support because of the family life that I grew up in. And so as I got older, I started to shut down because I didn't feel seen. I didn't feel heard. There was a lot of physical and emotional abuse. And so I started to sort of crumble in on myself and I stayed, you know, top of my class. I got really good grades. I was able to go to university on a scholarship. I was, I got two degrees, was working two jobs. You know, I was living the American dream. I had a house, a car, investments, all of these things. So on the outside, it looked like my life was amazing. I was excelling because I was just very gifted academically. I had a lot of street smarts, but there was that one thing that was missing. And that was relationship intelligence, the relationship that I had with myself and the relationship that I had with other people. When I was in university, I finished university, I believe I was 21, 21 and a half. And I didn't know how to have a real effective conversation. I didn't. It was a skill that I that I absolutely didn't have. I could do assets and liabilities all day. But when it came to having an effective conversation, I had no idea. So when I got upset, I would scream, I would yell because this is what I saw my mom do. And it was sort of the louder you scream, the more serious you are, right? The more you want to get your point across, that's, you know, the the extent in which you scream. And this was a bad habit that I, that I ended up picking up from, from my mom. So in my relationships, that's how I would communicate. I would scream, I would name call, I would walk out of the room when I was upset. I would say very, very nasty things. To, to the person that I was with. I drank quite heavily on the weekends. There were a lot of things, the, the eating disorder that I ended up getting, even though I, I'm an extremely healthy person, it, it got to a point where I ended up having this, you know, this binge eating disorder. So there were, there were a lot of things that I accumulated because of my trauma and because I didn't know how to express it and I didn't know how to heal from it. Back then, we didn't really have the accessibility that we have now of social media and coaches and all of these amazing tools that we have. And therapy was extremely taboo in my community. And, you know, and I went to therapy once and I didn't enjoy it. So I said never again. But yeah, I I got into this space where I felt extremely helpless. I felt extremely helpless. And I realized after a certain point, it was really that, you know, that day that I that I wanted to take my life. I realized I'm actually doing this to myself. I said, hold on a second. I'm so angry at my childhood. I'm angry at my parents. I'm angry at society, you know, as a whole for for failing me. I'm angry at this man who, you know, was living this double life and stealing money from me and all of these things. 
And I said, but, but now none of that is actually in my life. I'm doing this to me. The, the crying, the suffering, the anxiety, the stress, the anger, the rage, that that's actually me doing this to me. And so I realized that when we experience trauma, we get hurt once. But the way we react to trauma, we get hurt again and again and again and again and again. And that is what we do to ourselves. And it's not to say that it's easy not to, right? Because a lot of times, again, we have to have the awareness. If we don't have the awareness, we don't realize that, oh, I'm doing this to myself. And I have the power to do something else. Because a lot of times we say, well, this happened to me and this is my trauma. And this is sort of, we we take that power away and say, that's simply just what happened to me. And that person damaged me and now I'm damaged and now I'm broken. And, you know, there's no way forward and there's, there's nothing I can do. And I'm always going to be like this. And so we become disempowered. But we recognize how much power we truly have. Again, it's not easy. But nothing worth it ever is, is it? So it's really about, for me, it was about the realization. That was the first step, the realization, like even to be aware of the whole situation of, hold on a second, my parents don't live with me anymore. I left home when I was 16. I'm 19, 20, 21 now. I don't live at home. This relationship, I finished it, right? I'm not with this person anymore. So I have this awareness of the situation as a whole. And then I have an awareness of myself of, okay, this is, this is actually how I'm responding to my emotions. These are the emotions I have. So the awareness is for me was really the first step. It's your host, Ashley, with a quick interruption. If you're listening to this episode and you feel the pull to begin or continue your healing journey, but you're unsure of where to start, or maybe you're just overwhelmed with everything that's out there and available, this is your invitation to join us inside of the Rise and Thrive tribe. Each month, I'll be dropping themed content in the form of video trainings, integration workbooks, and so much more so that you can focus on just one part at a time. The Rise and Thrive Tribe will be your new community of other women taking an active stance in their healing journeys, and you can come with your questions, your worries, and your hearts. Oh, and the first 100 women inside will get a wheel spin and a chance to win over $1,300 worth of prizes. So come and join us for just $11 a month. See you inside. Before I healed my back pain, First, I became aware that emotional trauma could even be stored as physical pain or show up as physical pain because I had no idea that that was even a possibility. And I'm sure that I wouldn't have been able to heal unless I had become aware of that because I would have kept trying things that were purely physical, that weren't anything to do with healing my trauma. I wouldn't have thought it was possible for it to be affecting me 12 years after the relationship ended. So I think the the self-awareness of that is just so, so important. So how can somebody start to create a clear vision for their future, especially after they've endured trauma? Yes. So I would say when I decided that I was going to take my life and then I decided that I wasn't. For me, I had no idea what I was going to do. I didn't believe that it was going to happen. I simply felt 
I have nothing to lose, so why not try? That's really all I had. I had no vision. I had no, I didn't even really have a desire, to be honest, because at that point I was so low, there was zero motivation. But I just started with the idea of what if. And for me, that was the beginning of the vision. What if? Because it's really hard, I think, when you're in that emotional state to say, oh, I'm going to have this amazing life and I'm going to be so happy and I'm going to be in a great relationship and I'm going to be super fit and I'm going to travel the world. When you're in that low state, you're just kind of like, I don't see anything. I don't know what I want. I don't want anything. I'm just so sad. So it's sometimes okay to start with the what if and sort of opening the idea to the possibility that something could happen. And I think that's really the first step. Then I think it's about understanding that where you've come from has nothing to do with where you're going to go. When I was growing up, I came from a lower middle class family, very, very lower. I come from a very, very small town with a very conservative white population. (laughs) And I'm, you know, this mixed girl, bisexual, very extravagant love, you know, I I had a bigger picture than what I grew up in. Most Americans don't have passports. You know, I sort of grew up in this, in this world where now I travel the world. I've been to so many different countries. I speak two languages, two and a half languages. I own my own business. I'm empowering people about love after this horrible relationship and life without love. And so when you're thinking about creating a vision, it's really important to understand that you can create whatever it is that you want, whatever it is that you want. And sometimes the things that happen to you are exactly the opposite is exactly what you can get. So if you've had, you know, this horrific relationship where, you know, you felt minimized and you felt dismissed and you felt that you couldn't be yourself and you you weren't in touch with your purpose and and you weren't able to experience the beauty that life has to offer you can literally have the opposite of that because through the healing and through the learning you as long as you're resourceful there's plenty of resources plenty of resources and so i think as we're starting to pick ourselves up and pick up the pieces it's really just being open to the to the possibility of what if And then having an imagination on top of that, you can have whatever you want. Because I will say that that's probably one of the biggest things that saved my life was my imagination. As a child, I always had an extremely extravagant imagination because when you grow up in in an abusive household, for me, that was my escape, was my mind. Anything could happen in my mind. And so for me, starting to get out of that place, I started to play with my imagination. Like, what if you know, money wasn't an obstacle. What if there was, I could go anywhere and I could do anything? Just what if, you know, maybe it will never happen. I have no idea how, but what if? And I started to, so back then, Tony Robbins started to become a big thing, Les Brown and all these amazing motivational speakers. And I would listen to them and I didn't believe anything that they said, but I would listen to them anyway. You know, and I was like, oh, what are they talking about? Of course, you know, they're going to tell you that because they're rich and they're famous, but I'm never going to have that, you know, but I did it anyway. I did it anyway, because I believed what if, 
And so starting to create that and starting to take those steps and starting to put the pieces together, I can tell you it there's no time frame, but for me, it took years. It took years to get to where I am. And it wasn't always linear. You know, sometimes it's that you take two steps forward, one step forward and two steps back. That happened many, many times. But as I started to gain confidence and realized I deserve happiness just like everybody else. It doesn't matter what happened to me. I deserve to be happy. I deserve to live my life. I deserve to create something amazing because I only get one of these and it's not going to last very long. So why not? You know, why not shoot for the moon? Why not? And so I started to, to, to really think, okay, but what if, and what could I create? And you start to excite yourself again. For me, this was over many, many years. It started to come together one piece after another, after another, it started to unfold. And I started to see that vision come into reality in small doses, but enough doses to believe. And then the believing became more and I became more dedicated to, you know, researching and learning. And again, it's about resourcefulness because there's plenty of resources out here and just step by step, day by day, working with the relationship intelligence and really just seeing the light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah. Yeah. It's so true. Like you just have to take it baby steps at a time, because if you think too big and Right now I'm like doing an EFT training and I'm always saying you have to pick something that's believable. Mm-hmm. You can't say I am a millionaire if you know, you're know you drowning in debt because your subconscious isn't going to believe it. You can start saying like, I am paying down my debts and things like that. Because if not, then you're just going to start to feel guilty about it and you know go backwards and things mm-hmm. like that. So I love that. All right. I would love if you could share maybe like three actionable ways that people can start to do some of these tactics at home and start working towards, you know, this new vision. Absolutely. So one of the things that I've created is the self-management cheat sheet. And it basically has all of these negative emotions that we can feel. And so you can make one of these at home. So in the left column, you put negative emotions that you tend to feel. This can be anger, disappointment, guilt, frustration, overwhelm, tiredness, whatever you want to call it. And you sort of make a list of, let's say, 20 negative emotions that you could feel. In the middle column, you put the opposite of that emotion. So you get to decide what that is. I Googled mine because I think it's just easier than brainstorming your own. So you can Google it. Like, what's the opposite of sad? Happy. Okay. So let's say guilt, for example, is a negative emotion. And what's the opposite of guilt? Let's say it's pride. Okay. So we have on the left side, the negative emotions in the middle, the positive emotions, which are the opposite of that. And then on the right-hand column, we have the actions that we can take in order to get from negative to positive. So this is how we do self-awareness and self-management. So if I feel guilty, if I'm sitting here feeling guilty, first of all, negative emotions are an amazing thing. We don't want to be afraid of them, okay? We want to become friends with them because negative emotions are sort of like warning signs, they're alarms and we should pay attention to them the same way that I set an alarm in the morning to tell me it's time to get up. A negative emotion is an alarm to tell you to change some behavior, change some thought patterns, put something into action to get that positive emotion. So if I'm feeling guilty, that's a great thing. It's that alarm. It's saying, hey, 
something is not in alignment with where you want to be. Perfect. Thank you for telling me. Right. And so what can I do to feel pride? And I can write something down. What would make me feel proud? So, for example, I had a client who felt very guilty about the way that he raised his two daughters because he raised them the way that his parents raised him. He was very strict. He used corporal punishment and all of these things. And now he, you know, he doesn't have a great relationship with his daughters as he would like to. But he's in a relationship with a woman who has two daughters, two younger daughters. So the two older ones are away. These two are younger. And he feels guilty, guilty, guilty about the way that he raises his older daughters. And I said, what do you want to feel? He said, pride, right? We got to the pride. Now, what actions can we take? Because the action you're taking right now is enforcing the guilt. Nothing productive is going to come out of that. So we need to change the action to get that feeling. So how can we feel pride? We we decided, hey, we have two beautiful children that we can now raise and feel proud of the way that we raise them, right? We still have two daughters, the other daughters, the older daughters, we still have them in our lives. It's not like they're gone. And although we can't raise them, we can become proud of how we interact with them. We can be proud about the relationship we have with them. So again, it's empowering us that we have the choice. We have the resources. We can make ourselves feel positive emotions all the time by taking the right action. So I would say, go ahead and make this cheat sheet for yourself. On the on the left-hand column, all the negative emotions, 20. We can start with 20. We usually use about 20 um, words to describe negative emotions. The middle column, we put the positive emotions we want to feel. I feel sad. What do I want to feel? Happy. What action can I take to feel happy? If I feel disappointed, what do I want to feel? We can use pride again, and we can put another action for that. So it's not that we want to ignore the negative emotions, but we want to use them as an alarm. They're, they're trying to tell us that we're not in alignment with who we are. They're trying to tell us that we're not in alignment with our values. So how can we take action to become aligned with our values? How can we take action, empower ourselves to make change? Because if we sit in those negative emotions, it doesn't benefit us. It doesn't benefit the world. It doesn't benefit the people around us. So the negative emotion is fine as long as you recognize it as an alarm and you don't sit in those negative emotions. Yes. Wow. I love that exercise. And it's so true. It's like, I always think now that, you know, happiness is a choice. You can choose to be happy. It's obviously you can't control what's going on around you, but if you're focusing on just like the negative things, then of course you're not going to feel that happiness. So I, I love how like concrete that is. It's like, okay, let's put it down on paper. Let's start seeing exactly what it is that we want. And then, then you have a whole list of activities that you can do that you can be like, oh, I have dancing on my list. Let me dance right now and totally shift my emotions. So I love that exercise. Thank you for sharing with us. And do you have any tips about how women can best avoid toxic relationships? We understand what a toxic relationship is. We can sort of point out, okay, if someone uses aggressive language, if someone puts their hands on you, if someone is neglectful, all these different things, it's very easy to identify. The question is, what is the opposite? Right. So just like we talked about what is the opposite of guilt? What is the opposite of toxic? Well, I would say it's thriving. 
right? The relationships that we want, happy, healthy, thriving, whatever word you want to use. These are the relationships that we do want. So what actions can we take in order to create these healthy, thriving relationships? So the first thing we have to do is we have to find someone that we are compatible with. This is really, really important, right? Someone that has the same values, boundaries, and goals for their life. So when you are thinking about what are my values as a human being, do you value compassion, trust, empathy, connection, all, you know, all of these beautiful things? And does your partner and how do you know that they do? Well, probably through practice and time and them showing you and you showing them and you sort of prove to each other that you both have these qualities and you both value these things. So getting to know someone, getting to know their value system and making sure that the two of you have the same value system. Also, when we are in a relationship, we are three entities. We're partner one, partner two, and the couple. So as the couple, we have to recognize what creates a thriving relationship. That is a relationship with relationship intelligence. It has the compassion, the effective communication, problem-solving technique, all of these things. So as we are getting to know our partner and we're creating this relationship, we have to see, we have to have relationship awareness and see, do we have effective communication? Do we respect each other's boundaries? Do we support one another? Are we compassionate towards one another? Because these are literally the opposite of toxicity. Now, when someone does this genuinely, it works like a charm. Sometimes people will do this in order to trick you. That's what I had in my relationship. We built what I thought was the trust and the respect and all of these things, and then come to find out he was living a secret life. So sometimes it can happen that you can be in a relationship with someone who is showing you all of these things and seeming to put in all of this work but they're really not. And what do we call this? We call this life. In this situation, there really isn't anything that you can do because sometimes it happens that people will show you that they're doing these things, but genuinely they are not. So I would say, trust your gut, trust your instinct. It's not as common. You know, it's it's not happening all the time. It happened to me. It does happen to other people. But I would say that most people, you can sort of gauge if they have compassion. You can gauge if they have respect, if they're willing to put in the work to create that thriving relationship, if they're willing to put in the work to, to go through and make sure that you have a problem-solving technique in your relationship. So if they're putting in the time and the effort, I would say then you're on the right track. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. And I know it can be really hard to trust your gut or your intuition after you've been in a toxic relationship, because a lot of times we feel that guilt of like, oh, I was a person who got into this relationship. So it's partially my fault. And a lot of times in toxic relationships, they're blaming you for everything, even if it's not your fault. So you always have that guilt that you're doing something wrong. And I just think it's so important to kind of rebuild your confidence in yourself and your intuition so that you can really start to trust, you know, your gut feeling and things like that. And so how can people connect with you? How can they work with you? Share us all the things. So I am active on Instagram. It's at Riley Molinadio. I'm also on Facebook. Those are the two platforms that I use. So if you want to follow me, 
shoot me a message, say hi, that's always wonderful. I do have a ultimate guide to a thriving relationship, which is a six video series where I teach you everything that you have to know to create a thriving relationship from start to finish. So it has the scientifically backed formula of exactly what are the components of creating that thriving relationship. And you can find that at rileymolinadio.com. That sounds amazing. So all of those will be linked in the show notes for you guys. So go ahead and follow her and go check out her offerings. The last question that I always ask everyone on the show is, what is your best advice for somebody who is just leaving a toxic relationship? Be it as an opportunity. And I know in the moment, it seems really difficult to do. But really, when we have problems in life, they are simply opportunities for growth. And once you get used to seeing that, you see the entire picture in a different color. Because when when I started out as a young child, I really couldn't believe what was happening to me. I didn't understand. And it seemed like one problem after the next, after the next, after the next. And it became this world where I was suffocated in my problems. But as I started to get older and I went through this period after I decided that I wasn't going to take my life, I started to see problems as opportunities. Opportunities to recognize who I am, what's important to me, what lesson can I learn from this? How can I become stronger? How can I become more resilient? How how can I become more connective and, and loving and compassionate? And so every opportunity that comes my way, it's not always easy, <laughs> right? I'm I'm emotional like everyone else, but I do at the end of the day, see it as an opportunity for growth. And that is where the power comes in. Yes. Thank you. That's amazing. I love it. All right. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. And thank you, Riley, for being here today. I hope you guys have a great rest of your day. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. Please make sure that you rate and review and share this podcast if you loved it, if you found it valuable, and I will see you next week.